You are listening to Processing Trauma Out Loud, conversations about trauma and healing from two women who are doing the work. My name is Jeremiah Jones, and I am the producer of this podcast. In today's episode, Candace reads a story of a time her young body was overcome with intense fear. As you listen, you may be able to identify times, as a child, you also experienced big feelings that were too much. Listen in as Cher brings exquisite, specific care to Candace in a story that impacted her throughout her life. Hi, Cher. Hey, Candace. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm good. I have been getting ready for the episode that we're doing today because we're going to do some story work today. Yes. That's one of my stories. Yeah, I'm I'm honored and glad that we're going to be doing that and switching seats today where I will be caring for you as you bring a story. And it's an honor to, to do this with you today. Thank you. I just know that I'm going to be cared for well, as we've been doing this for a few years now. So we want to just tell our listeners a little just give a a brief introduction. Um, We did do a story on, I believe it was episode six, where I shared a story and you helped me process that. This is a glimpse of story work. This is the kind of work that you and I have done over the last couple of years that has been transformational in our lives. And it's the work now that we have been trained to do and that we do with our clients. And so we wanted to give our listeners a glimpse of this and to let them see the way that bringing a story of harm can can be processed and cared for in ways that bring healing. And as we go toward that, I want to just ask our listeners that they will hold your story with honor and with respect. And even though we recognize that we are putting this out into the world, as it were, in a public place, we do want to ask listeners if they will hold it in confidence. This this is your story. You are a real person. So we just want to ask for that to be held with care and honor. And that as we bring this, there's a vulnerability here for you to open this part of your soul and your story up to um, even people that you don't know. As we go toward this, we just ask for that kind of care from our listeners too. Mm -hmm. Anything that you want to say, Candice, before we jump into your story? I don't think so. Maybe just, just a little bit of a reminder that, you know, trauma is the idea of things being too much, too fast, too soon. That's one definition. And that there's levels of intensity to the stories of trauma that we have, you know, sometimes people just call it little T big T. And the thing about complex childhood trauma is that there's consistent stories throughout childhood that have a common theme of why a child would feel dysregulated, you know, going into high anxiety or, or even that shutdown and extreme disassociation. You know, I would say that this story is if we're on a one to 10, one being a very little T to 10 being a huge T, it feels like a more of a middle story, like around a five. Although the intensity of how I felt probably is more than five. And I see you smiling. Right. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) And I, I'm glad you're naming this and I want to make the strong statement of, and I know that you are not doing this, but I want to make this strong statement for our listeners that we can tend to have the propensity to compare 
and to say one story has more harm or less harm. And that's not true. It's just so not true that sometimes it is in the subtleties where other deep harm occurs. It can be in the huge violent events like I shared a few weeks ago, but, but this, it's, it is really in the subtleties where our development gets arrested and we're not able to move forward because of what has happened and what happens repeatedly. So I really appreciate you naming that. And we do want to just mention that to our listeners, because the fact is most of us have some big, horrible events, but maybe not. Maybe we have the things that a lot of people would say, well, that's not such a big deal. Mm -hmm. And that we even say, I don't know why I can't get past this. It's not that big of a deal when in fact, these things really are a big deal, especially when we recognize again, that this is happening to a child, not, not us in our adult form, but when we were a child without the resources that we needed. So thanks for naming that. I'm glad that you shared that. It also just makes me realize that even with the event is the messages that we receive about ourselves, about others, about the world. That's right. It's those messages that continue to get repeated that coupled with the body sensations tell us so much. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So are you ready to read your story for us today, Candice? I am. All right. We are only moving across the street, but as far as I'm concerned, we are moving to a foreign country. I am not prepared. I don't know the language and I am so, so sad. I am aware we are moving into a new house that has already been named the haunted house in our small community. Rumor has it this creepy two-story house has evil spirits that reside there. And reality would have it, my dad is not moving with us. My dad is not moving with us because only a few months earlier, my parents announced their divorce to my brother and I. Life would never be the same. I feel lost. My mom has remarried and my new dad is nothing like my daddy. He is as creepy as this new house we are moving into especially when his eyes are glazed over and his breath is the smell of alcohol. His body is large and he is bald. My body is small and filled with a sense of dread. My bedroom is downstairs in the back of the house, far away from everyone else. I have a twin size bed with a golden frame that sits under several windows. There is a door in my room that leads to a backyard that is trashy looking. I feel confused. The move was only across the street, but as I look at my new room, I long for my old one. I long for my pink shag carpet and how close I was to my parents' room. My brother's room was only across the hall in my old home. I have everything and everyone I need in my old home. I have gone from feeling safe and secure to feeling unsafe and fearful, but the unknown is the worst. I don't know what I need to know. And I am aware that not knowing means I can't be prepared. I have lost all sense of what little control an eight-year-old might have. It's nighttime and I am consumed with, what if these stories are true? I hear things at night and become frozen with terror. My imagination is wild with how I might be hurt and maybe even die. On this particular night, fear sends me running through the kitchen and up the stairs where my mom and stepdad's room is. 
I am trembly, but knock lightly on the door. I am scared to knock, but not as scared as I was to stay in my room. I hear a voice. You're fine. Go back to bed. The door is locked. She's only a few feet away from me, but I can't get to her. She's not available. And I hear their voices. They are fine, but I am not. I am filled with dread and panic. I am sitting at the top of the stairs, knowing I am alone. I have a deep ache for the one person who would have flung open the door to comfort me, hold me and assure me that I was going to be okay. I need my dad. I am a burden. I am a bother and I am too much. And I just want to go home. I sit at the top of the stairs until my body is exhausted. Somehow I make it through another night and realize that I have to figure out a way to take care of myself. And as life goes on in my little terrified body, I eventually get it figured out. I will go on to make sure that I am never alone again at a very great price. Thank you, Candace. I want to just start immediately by coming close to the little girl on the steps, Mm -hmm. the little girl at the top of the stairs. Mm -hmm. And I wonder, can I just come and sit down there next to her? Yeah. And I just want to hold her hand, hold your hand. I just want to come back to that place in the story where you were so alone and wonder if you can just take a deep breath with me. Yeah. Yeah. And can you identify what you're feeling in your body right now? Yeah, there's, there's always kind of a heaviness. It, I, I think I've called it like a, it feels like this heavy pit, like it's empty, but it's heavy. Yeah. And I have done some work around this story. I used to not be able to share without feeling it even deeper, but, but it's still there. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just aware of this little girl, eight years old who needs someone and no one is there. I mean, in a moment of, you said frozen, you felt frozen with terror. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about just that feeling of being so afraid and yet no, no adult was there to take care of you? Yeah. I mean, that feeling of it is a, it's a terrified feeling. It's the feeling of that. You know, you have legs, you know, you have arms, you, you know, you have the capacity to move, but you just can't. Yeah. That is the level of fear that I felt. Yeah. Such fear. And, and yet your mom was right there on the other side of the door, Mm -hmm. but unavailable. And that word, when I saw that word in your, you, you actually titled your story unavailable. Mm -hmm. And I'm just wondering, you know, what, what to your little girl, does that feel like to know that there were adults there right there, but she was left alone to fend on her own. I think some of the fear associated with that was this wasn't me being able to just think, okay, well, they're right there and I'm safe. Like just physically they're, you know, not very far away on the other side of the door, but the level of fear that I had had because of the stories that were told about this home, it didn't matter that they were right there. I, I needed touch. I needed more Mm. than just being in the same house with the door locked even. Yeah. And I'm curious, had you had that previously? Had you had that kind of touch and that kind of care previously? 
I mean, I had, yeah, I had touch. I think a lot of these moments that I, I was left alone because this is a story that somebody was there, but I was still alone. Yeah. I did have stories that there was actually nobody there Mm. that I felt terrified being at home alone. Yeah. No, in the sense that in the moment when I was terrified, I, I was usually just waiting for someone to get home. Yeah. And, and, and yet in your story, you have one line that says the one person who would have thrown open the door and offered me care was not there. Mm -hmm. And this is a big moment of transition in your life. I mean, previously your dad was there and, Mm -hmm. and you had some level of believing that he would have, he would have opened the door. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes, he would have, I believe that because he did right. That, that was what he did. I think the, the grief I'm sure that I was also in Mm. was realizing that that part of goodness in my life was gone. Mm. Yeah, oh, I really hear that. And and also a lot, there was a lot of loss, right? Loss of the safe home, mm-hmm. loss of the room that was right across the hall from other people, mm-hmm. loss of a sense of, of safety in a place that felt good to you. Mm-hmm. Besides this huge loss of a very secure person in your life who is now gone. Yeah. And I think just the word that I use that I, I kind of feeling a little bit of it just in my chest, it, it is this dread. Mm-hmm. It, it was this dread of what, what bad things going to happen next. Yeah. And dread. What, what does that, can you say more about dread? Dread is probably like future oriented, a sense of dread. Mm. I would say for as much as I can remember, that's the predominant feeling that I felt in this house, particularly. Mm, Wow. And for you as that eight-year-old child, what, what can you, can you wrap your arms around at all? Like, what did that feel like in your body? You know, some of it's pretty fuzzy. I know that it was spiked at nighttime, Mm -hmm. you know, cause I I was actually a very busy, active girl. Mm Mm-hmm. I knew how to entertain myself and love to play outdoors. So I think during the day, I knew my world had changed, but I would say when the sun went down, that sense of dread just became more profound. Yeah. And would you say that that sense of dread is something that you kind of carried with you in the years to come? Yes, but I think that it probably... I knew I, I became good at really numbing out. (laughs) Yeah. So I lost that feeling when I became more in control, the older I got that I didn't have to stay home Mm -hmm. or I had more control over being able to leave. But when I didn't have control over any of that, I would say that I felt it more severely then. Yeah. And I think I was struck by your story as I read through it at you know, there were a lot of things that you were feeling in your body. Mm -hmm. You felt 
the terror in your body. You felt the dread in your body. There were several things that you, that you were feeling, you were trembling in your body. And I, I think it's an important thing to note because the things that we, those things that you felt in your body in this story, they stayed in your body. Mm -hmm. because this wasn't a situation that was, it was too much. It was too hard. You were all alone and your body remembered all of those things that it was feeling. It becomes embodied, right? Mm -hmm. To the point that as you went on and got a little bit older, you found ways to numb that feeling. But I want to just ask, you know, like, I wonder if you can get in touch at all with what that dread, like, can you, re can you put any more words to that dread in your body? Yeah, I think, you know, the word that's coming to me is just, and, and the reason why it feels actually more than a five now that we're in it, it was such a sharp contrast of what I came from that it did leave me feeling overwhelmed with this weight that I could not get off of me. Can you sense where that weight felt heavy in your body? Yeah, I would say definitely. I remember, you know, cause I have other stories, right. Where it would be consistent that it was a heavy weight on my chest, yeah. but would often end up being that that pit. I wonder if that's like, it's empty, but it's heavy. Yeah. Which is a contrast in and of itself. Well, and yet so needing, right? Like you, you had the, the palpable sense of, I need my mom right now. I mean, enough that you were brave enough to knock on the door mm -hmm. and, and you had that, like just that profound sense of, I need somebody to take care of me right now. And yet you were met with placating, minimizing, disregard, mm -hmm. and she did not come. Yeah. And I realized that I, I do believe it's true that my mom would have responded if my stepdad not, would not have been there. Yeah. He controlled the tone of that home. And I learned very early on that children were a burden. From him. Yeah. You use that word burden towards the end of your story. You said that you recognized in that moment that you were a burden. Mm -hmm. um, you use three words. I am a burden. I am a bother. I am too much. Mm -hmm. And I want to just ask like, that's a heavy burden for an eight-year-old. Mm -hmm. You have that awareness. What, what does that feel like as we, as even as I just um, emphasize that? I mean, I can feel the sadness of that. Yeah. You know, I look at my kids and my own grandkids and just the thought of them feeling that way today, just, I would do whatever I could to help them not feel that way. Right. And the reality is your mom probably didn't know that you were feeling this. And yet that the fact is you were feeling it mm -hmm. and you, you needed something that was, you needed some help that was unavailable. And so you came to this place where you took on the accusation. Mm -hmm. You owned it. I am a burden from this. I don't know if you felt it before this. And I guess I'll ask that question. Do you ever remember feeling before this, that you were a burden and a bother and too much? You know, before this, my memory is the house that we moved from. Yeah. 
and that is the house that my parents divorced in that, that it wasn't perfect by any means, but I cannot identify feeling like a burden or a bother before that time. Yeah. Yeah. There, this is, there's such a setup here, mm-hmm. right? Because there are a lot of dynamics and we know that evil wants to steal, kill and destroy. Mm-hmm. So there's the setup, you know, the sense of um, that your, your, your parents are divorced there's a new stepfather, there's a new home, it's there's terror, your mom is unavailable. And and the setup is there for this accusation that you are a burden, that you are a bother, that you are too much. Mm -hmm. And in this moment, on that day, Mm -hmm. you owned it, and you believed it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I did. Yeah, that became a consistent feeling for sure. We, we don't have time to go too much into this, but accusations like this have the power to change the course of our lives mm-hmm. to go forward as a young child, believing that you are now a burden and a bother and too much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because even if later in life, I'm told that's not true. And I even say it's not true, but my body still feels that way. If I bump into something even similar my body's actually going to win out. Yeah. And I'll just ask, and this is a vulnerable question, but is this something that you still bump into from time to time today? That I'm a burden and a bother. Um, or, or too much. Too, oh, well, yeah. I mean, I, I would say that that has gotten so much quieter in the last couple of years because I've brought many stories of intense feelings and, and, and harm And I have just like, I don't just believe because someone has told me I'm not too much. I have experienced in my body that there's other bodies that actually move toward me. Like if I knock on the door, the door is going to be flung wide open. Yeah. And I just wonder right now, even in, in, in your imagination and our imagination, if, if what it would be like for you to see yourself walking toward that little girl sitting there at the top of the steps. Mm -hmm. And what would you want to say to her? I know that before I said a word, I would just scoop her up. I would just scoop her up and hold her close. And I I actually would probably go lay down in bed with her Mm -hmm. and just help her not feel alone. Yeah. Yeah. And calm her body. Mm Mm-hmm bring soothing to the trembling. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then talk about, uh, you know, how those stories were just made up stories (laughs) because, you know, as a little girl, there, there was that part, like it could be true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And to let her know that she never was a burden. Mm -hmm. She's not a burden. And the truth is she never was. No. a burden or a bother or too much. <sighs> yes. And I do believe that today and not, not just in my words, but I, I feel that mostly. Yeah. And I know what to do when I don't. Yeah. And I, I even saw your body shift a little bit there. Yeah. Like you felt it in your body. Mm-hmm. I'm not taking up too much space, but I am taking up the space. And that, that feels very redemptive for me, not to shrink, 
you know, not to be frozen nor to, to take over, but just take up the space that I need. Does the accusation feel true today? Not at a fundamental level, but I, yeah, I mean that I can still, you know, hear that sometimes, but I'm able to slow down and process it in a way that helps me to just show up in the way that I need to, to get the kind of help and care I may need in that moment. So good. And I, I want to just address one last thing before we come to a close here. After the accusation came and you owned the accusation, I noticed in your story that you actually did make a vow. You made a vow to, you said, I will go on and make sure I am never alone again. And that just feels really profound to me that that vow was made um, Mm -hmm. on this day. I couldn't keep that vow then, right? I, I still had no control over whether I would ever be alone. But I think I actualized that when I have control, I will never be alone again. And yes, that, that very much played out in the rest of my story. Yeah. We're, we're not going to, to go to this place today in our, mm-hmm. on our episode, but I do want to just um, comment for our listeners that as we recognize these places of accusation and vows, we can break them and then step into new freedom. And until we do, we are bound to these vows. And I know that you have already broken this vow, but I did want to just point that out. Candice, anything else that just feels lingering for you in, in this story that I may have missed or that we didn't talk about that just feels like something that you want to make sure that, that we address? I very much love the way you just brought me back to my little girl sitting at the top of the stairs. Yeah. And, you know, even noticing that I am able to be with her in a way that when I first told the story, I I couldn't, I didn't even know what that looked like. And so I, I just feel so much goodness that I can do that now. Yeah. And I know what she needs. And when those feelings come up that she's not alone anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Cher, for being me, being with her. Well, my, my honor. And, you know, the truth is I I love your little girl. Mm -hmm. Uh, I see her. I've, I've, I've had the privilege of seeing a few really precious glimpses of her in, in your stories and, and in your real life too. (laughs) And, and she's so worthy of good love and care. And, Mm -hmm. uh, and it was an honor to be with you today in this story. So thank you for bringing it. And I want to just say to our listeners, as we bring this to a close that, you know, these are the kind of stories that we do engage and that you and I will, will linger here for a while that we're not quite done yet, but because of our time on our podcast, we want to bring it to a close, but bringing care to these young places. It's like, this is the place where so much healing can take place because we desperately needed care back then that we didn't get. And because we didn't get it, we got stuck in the trauma and weren't able to develop in our emotional well-being, maybe even our physical well-being and, 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 be, and becoming people who had freedom 
and instead we carried heavy burdens. I just rejoice with you for all of the, the freedom that you are experiencing in your life. And thank you so much for bringing this story, Candice, and just for allowing me the honor to be with you in it today. Thank you, Sharon. So always so good to be with you. And I just love you so much. Yep. I love you too, friend. Thank you for listening to Processing Trauma Out Loud. Make sure to check out the show notes for links to suggested resources and social media. Like, subscribe, and follow to keep up with our weekly content. And if you don't mind, take a moment to rate and review us. Your feedback is extremely valuable and contributes to the success of this podcast. Music was created by Caleb Paxton, and our sound engineer is Jeremiah Jones of Story LLC. We welcome you to join us for more conversations soon. Take care.